Dude, do you ever, let me ask you this, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm being serious here. Mm -hmm. Do you ever like wake up in the, uh, like in the middle of the night, you think you hear a sound and then your heart just starts racing like crazy. I mean, like literally, Oh, this, yeah. happened, this happened to me last night. I woke up, I heard something. My heart was pounding so hard. I could like feel it in my th neck. Dude. And then I'm like, huh? Dude. And then the whole time I'm sitting there, not getting interrupted because Tyler isn't there. <laughs> so I'm chomping at the bit. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, something woke me up. I'm trying to remember what the sound was. And then I'm like, was it, did somebody bump the door? Mm -hmm. Was yeah. there, I don't know, man. Anyways, that happened to me two nights in a row, man. Well, I got one thing to say and then, well, okay. So I, this, the exact same, the reason I was like so excited is because this exact same thing happened to me on. Making it up. <laughs> change it. Um, on Monday, Courtney went to the hospital. Her cousin got in a car accident. Get like too many details. Everything's man. okay. But I uh, put the girls down and I stayed at home with them. Well, it was like, you know, she didn't get into like one thirty or 2 or something. And it was that same thing. It was like something about like, I guess like where I was like in my dream. And then the, I hear the, like before the alarm is cut off, you hear it like going like beep. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and, like, yeah. something about, like, that and the timing of, like, how I was sleeping or dreaming or whatever, like, it immediately, like, sent my heart into, like, doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that, like, I had to, like, sort of chill out for a second. I, like, got up and I, like, walked around for a second because, like, I thought, like, it, it immediately went from, like, zero to, like, it felt like I was going to have a panic attack. Yeah. And, I mean, it, like, there was no that logic to it. It was, like, totally out of the blue. Yeah, and that's the thing that sucks about the alarms is like the beep that alerts you that the door's opened and you have to disarm the alarm mm -hmm. and the beep that like, okay, it's time to leave. Please exit now. Yeah, that, right. You right. know, mm -hmm. that beep is so close. Yeah. In similarity here, uh, in the middle of the night, it's one and the same. Yeah. Like, can yeah. we just get like maybe, I don't know, like, you know, look, Shaquille O'Neal is doing a lot these days, mm -hmm. strange kind of commercial. Mm. What if it's Shaq's voice? It's like, uh oh, somebody's here. I don't know what <laughs> it would like, be, but <laughs> it's alarm time. Yeah, Somebody's like, breaking it. Something like that, man. The other thing I was gonna say is that it, uh there there's something that I have pretty pretty consistently, and I looked it up years ago because I didn't know what it was, years but it's called ago. like exploding head syndrome. Have you heard about this? <sighs> Listener, I wish you could see my face right now. What? It's the face of how many strange random ailments does Tyler have and how many times have I had to hear about him? No, it's, Go ahead. it's not anything like crazy. It's not. Oh, mm -hmm. Well, boy, like what a name for it then, huh? No, the name is is by far like really Worst intense. Part, huh? But basically it's just this idea that whenever you're, you're going to sleep, um, and I think it's similar to the way uh, you'll have like those like where your whole body like jerks. And it kind of, like when you, yeah, okay, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Just as you're like falling asleep, um, it's kind of like that, but it sounds like you hear this like like bang, like, and you could swear that you hear oh, like, in okay, your yeah, ears. yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I'm so talking. It could about. be that, yeah. It's my it's my exploding head. Yeah. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. 
a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Bentz. What's up, brother? Hey, brother. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, but I think, um, you know, before we started recording, one of the things that we were talking about kind of were, you know, yard work, okay? Mm. And I think that might be a sign. Look, I kind of recently had a birthday. I think this is a sign Mm. that you're kind of getting older when the, I guess, the prospect of having to cut the grass becomes like an exciting one. Dude, I I could not agree more. I, 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 as you know... I it's think cathartic, I'm, man. It's super cathartic. It's it just it's sort of like you get that like um you get that sort of rush of like like a job completed. Yeah, right, right. It's thing. like instant gratification. It's the mm-hmm. same reason why I like washing my Jeep. Well, it's I like hate you that. Well, you don't I haven't washed my car in literally fifteen well, years. You don't have a Jeep, so I mean, I have a Honda Accord. Oh, man. So he's a lowrider. He's got the spoilers and everything. Loves Fast and the Furious. You know, like, we never talk about that on the show. And maybe now's the time. I, I don't... You know, I you do know, have... It's up a, to you. I do have a confession to make. I have not seen a... Don't, don't lie. Well, no, no, listen. Do not lie. And this is to the chagrin of our buddy Christian. What's up, Christian? He actually says that the Fast and the Furious movies are actually pretty good. But I have a confession. Dude. I haven't seen any of them pr- or post uh, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, here's my confession. Christian, I agree with you. They are extremely entertaining. The only one I, they're just like, especially the first ones, they're just fun to kind of like, they're so over the top and ridiculous. Like, I need NOS and I need a bed at night. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it has those like quotable moments uh, that are just hilarious. So, See, I thought, you know, and I thought that you had that that Paul Walker calf tattoo. I thought man. you just liked mm-hmm. him. I didn't know that. Well, you would, I do love Paul Walker, but well, I do like Paul Walker, but mm-hmm. not as much as you know. Boo Boo was the one that like he just every movie he was in, oh, he he, uh, he had to get it. You know, Dude, speaking of movies, man, go ahead, tell me. Okay, so. Hold on, I gotta bask in a little glory here, folks. You, you're time, getting worse on. than I am. No, no, no. I have to bask in a little bit of glory here, folks, because time and time again, especially on this show, there are so many things that we talk about where, honestly, full disclosure, it's Tyler that has introduced me to this idea or this theory, this mm-hmm. uh, this cryptid or uh, a story or whatever, and admittedly. I love that because I love to like learn about new stuff and and dive in and then, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of uh, storytell on our show. Okay. It's very rare where I get the I told you so moments Mm -hmm. because for the most part, Tyler and I, as far as music and movies and stuff, pretty, we end up somehow kind of either already liking the same things separately or kind of like finding or discovering this, you know, maybe book, movie, artist, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time or close to it. Yes. This is a moment where I have to kind of just like, oh, finally. <laughs> because I've been talking about this, what Tyler's going to tell you in just a second. I've been telling him this. You've been talking about the book, mainly. I've been talking about everything. It, well, that's true. That's true. So go ahead and tell him. I just had to kind of bask in some glory okay. here. Okay, okay. Um, well, 
and I'm pretty sure we've done this. I, I've made a point to say this on the show, but I have, and I mean, I, I do lose a little credibility with our, you know, sort of nerd community a little bit in this, but I have always kind of looked down on Dune as a whole. I didn't know anything about it to my, you know, uh, I didn't know anything about the book. I didn't know. All I all I knew of it was, like, li- seeing, like, little bits of, like, the, the David Lynch 80s movie. Mm-hmm. Like, little bits of that. And, like, you know, anytime anybody would sort of explain it, it's like, oh, yeah, there's this, like, spice and, like, da-da-da. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like... <laughs> Like, no, I'm a Star Wars fan. I, yeah, right. I can't get into that. But <laughs> I, I have to say my recent commission list, which is going very, very slow. So if you've commissioned me, I'm sorry it's taken so long, but I'm going as fast as I can. On the list popped in, uh, you know, Paul Atreides or mm-hmm. Muad'Dib or whatever. Yeah. Is it? Paul Muad'Dib. Muad'Dib, yeah. And... Uh, I was like, man, I don't know anything about this. And I'm super OCD. And so, and I've done this with several commissions that come in. You know, if I don't know anything about it, it's like I will pour myself into finding out. Like, I want to know the character. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out, like, well, what's going to, what's going to make this, this, you know, piece of art as good as it can be, Mm. you know, connected to the source material. Which, real quick, can I just say that is, and I'm sure, potentially like other artists do that and stuff. But that is so cool to me because it's like, it's not just you looking at a bunch of, uh, you know, like uh, like, like reference other, shots. Other someone's drawings. Oh, right, This right. is you like immersing yourself in that character, mm-hmm. learning their backstory and, and everything that makes that person who he is mm-hmm. or she, depending on whatever you're drawing. Mm-hmm. And then like letting that fill your subconscious as you're drawing. I mean, I just think that's awesome, man. So yes. well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh I mean, and again, I I, I credit it to just pure like just having uh, me as a friend. Uh, you know? No obsessive compulsion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at first I was like, well, let's like I'll let's see, like put some videos on, like maybe I'll get like a vibe of like just watching like the little vignettes of like behind the scenes or yeah. Or, uh, you know, the music of Dune with, like, Hans Zimmer and stuff. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool. And also, to my defense, when it came out, I think I was working on that big project. I couldn't see it. And then finally when I was like, okay, cool, I, I can finally see it, that was when you, HBO took it off. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole time so when the new movie came out, I, I was like, dude, you've got to mm-hmm. watch this movie. You've got to watch it, dude. Yeah. And I mean, I understand it's an undertaking. It's a long movie. Yeah, uh, two hours and thirty-five minutes. Yeah, and so by the time you finally went, you know, got around to it, gone. Yeah, right. And I, I was kind of bummed, but then I was like, "Well, who cares? Whatever." But then this commission came through, and I was like, "Well, I'll just I'll put it on in the background because the behind-the-scenes little vignettes." I was like, "Man, this does look pretty cool." And I, I mean, I am also like a pretty patient sort of movie watcher. Like I'm. I'm cool with like really slow movies or really atmospheric movies. Like I'm, I, I like the the like experiential type movies. Like Blade twenty forty nine. I thought. I mean, God, not Bla- Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Not the Wesley Snipes Blade movie, <laughs> uh, which is Blade one and two are awesome. But um, but I, so I'm I'm cool with that. So I was like, well, you know, this does kind of feel a little bit like that. So I put it on while I was working. 
and was absolutely blown away. Like mm-hmm. the second that it went off, I I really felt well, number one, I was a little bummed because and also this is gonna be spoiler territory if you haven't seen the new Dune. Um, but I was bummed because it was like, oh man, that's like that's just the first half, which I already right. I knew going in it was. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of bummed about that. But then mainly it was like, I don't know, it's like this weird, and I haven't felt this for a movie in a long time where it felt like like I didn't want to, I didn't want to like leave that world. Mm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh I, yeah, I, for sure. I, it was you want to like see a, more of it. You want to like live in yeah, it. And, uh, yeah, and, like, yeah. It, it was almost like a like a longing, and so immediately I restarted it, and watched it again, dude. In the last two weeks, I have watched this movie uh, like six times. Yeah, and I think it is one of the greatest. And again, I, I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, guys. But I have to say, like, this new movie, I think, is – I think it is an absolute masterpiece. I think it is – and, I mean, I get that, the you know, you younger kids out there, like, with smaller attention spans, I get it. It's like, nothing happens, it's boring, da da da, da. But, like, man, if you're, like, cool with sort of just immersing yourself in, like, a movie and, and the vibe and just, like, just taking it in, like, at whatever speed it comes at you – like, I think this movie is an absolute, like, classic. Yeah. You know, and I feel like for some reason, I swear we kind of talked about this at some point. I, I don't know. But the one thing that I was worried about whenever I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. mul- multiple times was that if you didn't have any sort of, like, knowledge base or foundation right. for the story, that you would kind of come away being like, wait, what? I don't get it. What what just happened, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, my wife n- had not read the books and stuff, and didn't really know much about it. She just knew I was obsessed, and so basically, you know, the like cast, me. yeah, dude, the cast is just like, yeah, you know, that's what got her in the seat, really. And because I mean, it has so many of our favorite actors. Well, and and the second, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but and the second half that hasn't come out yet is like a whole other massive list of like crazy cast. I haven't even looked. Oh, it's it's crazy. Like, l- let me give a little background. Like, my obsession with this started, I would say I was probably maybe six or seven. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My brother and I, I remember, watched it on VHS for sure because I think the David Lynch movie came out in, like, 84. Uh, and, you know. Was it 84 or 86? You may be right with uh, it. I think it's 84. And actually, let me... Uh, I got the VHS right here. There you go. This is a sound that you're just not going to get anywhere else, folks. I want you to hear something. That's the sound of a VHS tape coming out of its sleeve, which is just beautiful. Uh, Although, hey, can you, while you're doing this, can you open the uh, plastic shell case also? (laughs) Um, Give us a little ASMR. Oh, yes. And that, in case you're wondering is a copy of The Princess Bride and mm. it just happens to be uh, on my desk here. But hold on. Yeah, 1984. Cool. Okay. So, uh, you know, clearly I would have been too young to kind of remember, but I think the way my memory goes is we watched the movie with our dad and I think it was probably like 
much later, like 86, 87. I was probably, again, six or seven. Mm -hmm. and Still way too young. Yeah, pretty young, <laughs> but still, like, because of our love for things like Star Wars and even, like, just sci-fi in general, mm -hmm. we were like, oh, man, let's check, check this out. And I swear my dad had a copy of the book. For some reason, I just remember we had a copy of the book in our house, and I read it probably around, like, nine or ten or something. I kind of trudged through it. Mm -hmm. Probably didn't um, know what half of it. I mean, I did. It's actually really well written, man. It's not like, it's just that. But I mean, that's a pretty high science fiction concept. Yeah. You know? yeah, but again, man, I, I'm telling you, dude, like the way that Herbert, and so the book, for anybody that's interested, is written by Frank Herbert. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, like, this guy is one of the most incredible sort of world-building minds yeah. that I think has ever existed. And it's really like as evidenced by like at the back of this book is this like glossary and index. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he describes everything. It's like, it's almost like you would think that it took him like 10 years just to create this world, you know, like catalog it all. Mm -hmm. There's religious beliefs. There's this whole thing. And then wrote the story, you know, so uh, anyway, the book's incredible. I became obsessed. My dad doesn't remember ever having a copy of it, so I'm not sure if I just misremembered that. But we used to have like an original printing of this freaking book. Mm -hmm. And so I was obsessed with the David Lynch movie. Yeah. I know it has its flaws, dude. Trust me. Mm -hmm. But whenever I saw that this movie was going to be made, I was excited because I knew that there was a lot of things that Lynch couldn't do with the technology that I knew that they would be able to achieve now. Yeah. It's it such a great, such a great job, man. But but also I've heard since, and, you know, again, this is coming from like a totally sort of unbiased, unknowing perspective, but from what I hear, the David Lynch movie was like, like he wasn't even a fan of like the story really. It was like he was just wanting to do like a David Lynch movie, which if you haven't seen a lot of like, other David Lynch movies like Blue Velvet or, I mean, really kind of all of them. I mean, just let me work the list here. It's bizarre. We're talking bizarre. Twin Peaks, right. Eraserhead, The Elephant Man, mm. Blue Velvet, uh, Wild at Heart, uh, Lost Highway. Lost Highway, yeah. Mulholland Drive. Embarrassingly enough, here's another moment where we're just kind of like laying our cards on the table here. Mm. Out of that entire list, aside from just a few episodes of Twin Peaks, I've only seen The Elephant Man. Well, Lost Highway is has one of the scariest scenes ever to me in it. And then Blue Velvet is maybe the first time that I I can remember like seeing a movie and being like, how did this get made? Like how Really? Like just it's, like in, it's just terrible or what? Ah, it's just like I don't it's just like so intense and like over the mm. top and it just you just feel so uncomfortable really yeah. reading through that list i tr truthfully like it's kind of surprising to me actually that he made right this mm -hmm. movie you know many many years later mm -hmm. you, you find out things like it it tanked dude yeah <laughs> the, you, right. you know uh it didn't even make back its budget i don't think and i think like even what's his name kyle mclaughlin mm -hmm. like thought that his career was over <laughs> Um, because like he couldn't get work, man, at mm -hmm. all. And I mean, I don't really know how successful he's been anyway. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, he had a good run on Twin Peaks, though. Yeah. So like everything tied with. So like 
Lynch was the one that gave him another chance. I think he was also in Blue Velvet, I think. Mm, I don't, uh, hold on. I don't think he uh, is. Who's the main guy? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. He so, was in Blue Velvet? Yeah, he was in Blue Velvet, and he's also in, you know, like you said, Twin Peaks. I just remember, uh, who who's the main guy in Blue Velvet? He just passed away, I think. While you're trying to find that, it's like, I kind of feel like I need to go through, because like, the Lynch, like- Oh, Dennis David, Hopper. Dennis Hopper, okay. Did he pass away? I think he did pass away recently. Yeah, oh, well, May tw- recently. Oh. 20, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 2010. I mean. I guess that's recent. Man, I mean, that just goes to show, like, honestly, I, I, I do think about that as recently. Yeah, I do. And too. it's like, I feel like know, it was a literally been ago. 13 years later almost. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, he, he is a great actor, but man, like, you should try to watch it today. It is. What, Blue Velvet? Yeah, it's, you definitely should 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 try to watch Lost Highway, which I don't think was like a big. I mean, is Dennis Hopper a quote great actor though? I mean, I'm you know I, mean, I think he's... about Speed and I think about now he's been in great movies, but is he a great actor? Well, like, l- let me rephrase that. I think he's a great. Have character you seen actor. Super Mario Brothers? I think he's a great character actor. Yeah, he he Koopa. he kind of just has that sort of like you immediately know that it's like Dennis Hopper. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I will say, like in you saying that you know, talking about, like, your dad having it and stuff. So my knowledge being, like, no knowledge at all with Dune, I just assumed, like, okay, I love Star Wars. I don't even, like, I I can't stand Star Trek. It's it's stiff. It's boring. It's, like... I love it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, now I kind of, you know, I can appreciate it a little bit, but I'm still still much more of a Star Wars fan than any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, it was, like... You know, I knew that I liked Star Wars and being a kid in the 80s growing up, at least at least how I grew up, it was like, you know, you kind of had to like pick one. It's like you couldn't. And Dune was like kind of one of those sort of adjacent films mm. that I just assumed like, man, this is stupid. It's just all it is is like. It's just trying to be Star Wars. Yeah, it's just, exactly. It's just mm. ripping off Star Wars, but it looks silly. It looks stupid. Then I found out that, and I never knew this until like as an adult, that this this the book was written in 1965. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I don't I haven't looked too far into it, but if Lucas hasn't listed it as something that just oh, inspired him in some way, I mean, come on, gotta dude. be yeah, 100 percent, man. Yeah, I think it's 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 amazing, and I think Denis Villeneuve, the director, is man, wow. he's just it's there's a amazing. lot of things that um. I think this one did that the other one couldn't. Mainly, one of them really is visually, dude. Like everything seems so huge. Oh, right? yeah. And those, like we've talked about this too on the show before. But I'm a, such a massive fan mm-hmm. of such a humongous, like sort of wide shot. Yeah, so where, very IMAX experience. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. And I like uh, you know the soundtrack, the score. Oh man, I mean Hans acting. Zimmer is already. Yeah, dude, he's... But, he's dude, amazing. this movie is... Mm-hmm. Ha, now, have you watched... I, I don't mean to cut you off, but have you watched any of, like, sort of the making of the music of Dune or anything? No. Uh, dude, no. you've... I, I got to find the link, because I, I I ran across one that had, like... I guess somebody ripped it from... I don't even know if I should be saying this, but somebody ripped it, <laughs> I guess, from, like, the... Maybe the DVD? The DVDs maybe? or something. And okay. it's all, like, on YouTube, so it's, like... Because you can find a lot of, like, the little vignettes, so it's, like... Eight minutes, twelve minutes, da da da. But there's one. I'll, I'll I'll try to find it. I'll send it to you that that has all of them. But dude, mm-hmm. it's so amazing. I mean, I'm always a big fan of 
Hans Zimmer. He, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watching his like behind the scenes, like how he like creates these soundtracks, like Interstellar and like the Batman, or not the Batman, but Batman or Dark Knight Rises and mm-hmm. the Dark Knight trilogy. It's just, it's so cool and it's so sort of abstract. You know, it's like he'll, he's, instead of just being this sort of like, you know, sort of uh, European themed like giant symphony and like, which was like all you had like in the, you know, up until sort of, I mean, fairly recently, really in the last like 20, 30 years where these like, like sound designers and like, you know, composers and, you know, uh, people that are scoring these movies are like really starting to think like in different ways of, of like creating these sounds. I mean, I remember the, one of the Dark Knight movies, I guess the, the, the big one, you know, with, with Heath Ledger and the Joker Mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, I remember he had like this violinist who it was like, he would just like, he was just a super slow, like, so the entire theme when you see the Joker is like this, like, I mean, it's technically called like sort of a chromatic walk down mm-hmm. on a, like a stringed instrument where you're not playing within a scale or anything. It's just like, you're just like going da, 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 da. And so mm-hmm. since the violin is fretless, it's just this constant like, like it's this mm. super slow burn, like it builds this weird intensity. And so for this, it was amazing to see that, a lot of the sounds are very, like all these sort of voices, like a lot of sort of Middle Eastern like chants mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. and like a lot of layering and then like reversing and like all these weird like whisper stuff. And mm. I hate that I didn't see it in IMAX. I'm so pissed. Oh, dude. Because like was... I, I come to find out that like on this movie in particular, the you know so when we, when we stream something like when we watch it on HBO Max like on a on like you know my IMAX you know, you're only hearing, like, the stereo feed, right? Mm-hmm. But the the movie was actually created, and the only way you can you can experience this is through, like, seeing a film in IMAX. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's 12 separate channels of... It's not just, like, left and right, you know, or yeah. mono. It's, yeah. like, 12 separate, separate, like, sort of sound fields where there's all this stuff sort of hiding in those, mm-hmm. in those pockets, which is amazing. But, you know, it's, like... It, like the scene that you hear where the guy like the bagpipes kind of come out it's not even bagpipes mm-hmm. it's this weird like like tenor sax thing but then there's like wow. they just made all these new instruments cuz he was like I don't want anything to feel like anything terrestrial like anything earth that mm-hmm. you've heard before so we just need to create instruments dude which is I amazing remember, I do remember that's incredible man and it just goes to like show what an innovative yeah. musician and composer this this guy is. I mean, yeah. I do remember seeing a video about After these messages will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. There's like a technique that he uses that I think you were kind of talking about with the Joker, where he uses that chromatic scale that like it tricks your brain into thinking that it's continuously rising. Well, it's like looping on itself. Yeah, right. Well, it loops on itself. And Mm -hmm. I forget what they called it, but when they show it to you, you're like, oh, so when you're like, if you're watching uh, Dunkirk or uh, Interstellar Mm -hmm. or any dang Christopher Nolan movie, he uses Hans Zimmer Mm -hmm. all the time. You feel this like, it's like this weird sensation. Yeah, dude, that like, it's just like, it just always sounds like it's there because the way he puts the next one that's doing it is Mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of, or just behind the middle of that other rise. And so it's just like this continuous rising feeling. Mm -hmm. And like the the way that he's able to kind of really affect emotion Mm -hmm. through that the dude, it's just brilliant, man. Yeah. And on top of it all now, he's inventing instruments. I mean, it reminds me of, I don't, have you seen the, uh, behind the making of the music for Mandalorian? No. Oh, dude. Oh, I'll have to check it out. You have to, man. It's this young kid who, he, he oh, and, and it, I don't. Is this the kid that's like, he's sort of like the protege of John Williams? I don't, I don't think he, he I mean, he, I'm sure would love to have maybe hung out with him but no this is just like literally i think he's just like a random kid hmm. that they just heard about invited in and favreau was like hey I, i've got this like idea but i want something that's just not you know a bed of strings and it's right. got to be something that's unique and and mm-hmm. instantly sort of recognizable in contrast to, to john williams for example mm-hmm. because you know you're you're diving into this world this star wars world where people expect the Star Wars music, right? And so mm-hmm. it's got to be that good, but it's got to be different and unique. Right. Yeah. Dude, this kid in this behind-the-scenes thing, you basically tour his little mini studio at, in his house kind of thing, and he's just like, yeah, so I picked up... I, he just orders constantly. He's on eBay or just like looking around for just unique, weird, weird stuff. strange yeah. instruments. Mm-hmm. He just orders them all and just like experiments, dude. And he'll just like... He's kind of like if you mix... I don't know if you've ever seen you, Tyler, or anyone listening any of the sort of behind-the-scenes the stuff for, like, Radiohead. And oh, yeah, Johnny Green. Sound experiment. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Well, this kid, he shows this, like, gi- like this giant sort of, like, um, I don't even remember what it is, like like a flute sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, I got this. And he just, like, plays these weird notes. And then he just goes, boom, boom, doo, 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 doo. And he's like, yeah. and that's how that was born. And it's like, <laughs> That's so what? cool. And he's, like, sort of just kind of, like, But you know that Super, feeling. like, like, fo- like foreign slash California at the same time. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just kind of like, and that's, 
how it came about. He has to be like Swedish <laughs> or Scandinavian. Something like that, yeah. Those guys are just, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that you said Radiohead because to me, I I always sort of think of Hans Zimmer in that same way, mm-hmm. which is cool because he, he's a you know a composer, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, but he's also kind of like a band guy in the sense of he, you know, he'll like tour on these like soundtracks and he always like uses like, the same like bands and stuff. Like I remember watching this thing with Dune and like he ended up calling, you know, I guess like his maybe like music director or whatever and was like, hey, we're getting the band back together. Do you want to make Dune? And like, you know, it's like he he pulls the whole group back together, you know, and like I think that's really cool. But uh, I'm glad you said Radiohead because there's sort of this urban legend. I, I don't know if you've heard about this where, and I can't remember what like sort of solo section it was. I don't think it was in like the Benz era or mm-hmm. or when they were more of sort of a conventional sort of rock band. I think it was closer to like OK Computer maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that like, well, I mean, or the myth, however, is, mm-hmm. maybe it's not true, but I like it, is that he, they're like, OK, we got to figure out a solo. And he literally, you know, grabs, like, a jug of water, you know, or whatever, like, little things, goes up into this, like, attic space and locks himself there for two days. Nobody saw him for two days. I think it's even said that, like, nobody knows, like, where he even would use the bathroom, which is interesting. But Mm. he comes down two days later, walks into, like, sort of the control room or the, Mm -hmm. you know, and plays, like, the first take, and it's, like, the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. You know, I know Radiohead gets a lot of beef from folks. I think oh, they're great. one of our uh, listeners, Julie, gave us grief on Instagram once for, for using a Radiohead song, I think. But I don't think Julie likes any of our songs that we like. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Julie, how dare you? How dare you? But, like, and I get it, like, there's, it is kind of like, classified as sort of, quote-unquote, nerd rock or math rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. The... the I don't know, man. I love them. I, I mean, mean, I, I mean the, the. I feel like they invented so many bands. You go back and you listen to early oh. Radiohead, like in Pablo Honey, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, they invented Coldplay. And then you go and you listen yeah. to like the Bins, and you're like, oh, they invented Muse. I yeah. mean, that's where the bands. And- yeah, you know, all those guys that use that falsetto and like, oh god, dude, it's just so good, dude. Yeah, mm, yeah. I so mean, good. I I will say like I think. I think like the and I can't think of the phrase, but it's something like like the the point of entrance maybe is like mm-hmm. c- can be kind of like daunting with them because like there are so many sort of abstract mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know components yeah. of their music that it's like what the, what am what am I listening to like what is yeah. this true but I think that like if you I think you almost have to know and have to hear like their earlier stuff to mm-hmm. realize that like oh no 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 these guys are like like so incredible that mm-hmm. like they're they're like beyond like the conventional side. So it, it's kind of like um, like Picasso, for example. Like not a lot mm-hmm. of people know this, but his early work he was as good as like the Renaissance masters, right? And it was like okay, it, bore, it bored him, dude. Yeah, it's like I've I've like completely completed this task. Mm-hmm. So now like his whole point was to to. Basically, to go back to the wonder and the naive sort of view of, like, how a kid would create art. 
And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, then you see like the cubism and the, his like geometric motifs and stuff. But it's kind of the same thing like that with with Radiohead where, you know, you listen to, like you said, Pablo Honey and the Benz. And there is some of the most amazing, mm-hmm. like melodic moments. And just like rock, dude. Yeah, and I rock. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, creep. I, I always, yeah, dude, with creep specifically, I Shotgun. always remember, and I don't remember Shotgun. what, what year it was, but I remember they played like, which is just so funny to me thinking about this. They played like MTV Spring Break <laughs> and, and they played Creep because like at the time it was like the height of like, yeah, the height and almost, it was kind of like, you know, whenever you look at sort of like, let's say a timeline of, of, of musical history, there's that overlap period that kind of um, in between the different sections. So if you've got like, hair metal and metal and all that the mm-hmm. overlap period is when like the hair metal ballads were happening as grunge was t- starting to take right. over and then and then on the because it's not that, just a quick shift it's sort of a yeah there's like that overlapping yeah. years and that's kind of like what happened in and i guess it might have been like 94 ish you know it's like where everything and it sucks for the band but like bands like nirvana by the time that nevermind comes out it's so main it's so good yeah that it attracts mainstream fans. The band, you know, goes wild mm-hmm. in, in in terms of uh, popularity and stuff. And then it's sort of everything else sort of either tries to copy it or mm-hmm. just it's a right. watered down version of it. And then because of, you know, record execs trying to be like, well, we need to cash in on this right. cash cow. We need a grunge band. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so anyhow, this was kind of in that time period and and what's his name tom uh york York had like bleach blonde hair oh yeah it was like short and like he's just playing and literally dude they're playing creep at mtv spring break and it's like people are like jumping in the pool and and you can just tell dude and i swear now i've never heard this on an interview i've never read it anywhere but i swear that was the moment then he's like we gotta do something else Oh, you that's know, like, a good point. We yeah. gotta like innovate because this is not what I want to do. He's like, I Be- hate this. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like after that, man, they really started to push the envelope. Even in the bins, or wait, is that the one that came? I think Pablo before came or after first. I think so too. But it's like from there, mm-hmm. there was more gradual and gradual, like less sort of easily accessible to like the casual listener. Yeah, or, or even just like a conventional you know, yeah. three, four-piece rock and, band, like guitars, yeah. drums, bass. Mm-hmm. And I get it because it, it was a hard time to kind of like come out with like, a fake plastic watering can. Right. And it's like other people are just like, what you know, jamming this? out. And it's like, I, I get it, man. Yeah. Like, I understand folks, Julie, who hmm. aren't super into Radiohead. And, I, and, and like you said, there's so much. But like, dude, oh, man, I don't know. So good. Yeah, they're so good. But anyway, back to Dune. Absolutely genius movie. I think that Timothy Chalamet, is that how you say mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Or Chalamet, but I think it's, it's Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it actually has like the Timothy two E's with a little mm-hmm. dash. So is it like... I, I forget. I want to say Timothy. that he... I, no, it's Timothy, but I, I want to say that he does have... It's like his... Like I don't remember French. where his parents are from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. I mean, he looks French. Uh, he he is amazing in this movie, dude. He's amazing in every movie, man. Well, he's I, gonna I, go down in history as one of the best actors. Of all I agree. Time, I agree. Yeah, I, I I've always kind of like I thought he was cool, but like you know he's he's so like big with like teenage girls, and it's like I get it. I I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, he's a great looking dude, you know. But I think 
sometimes like when I hear that before I've seen like the actual sort of acting or the work, you mm-hmm. know, it's harder to kind of get into him. But man, after this movie, I was so sold. Like yeah. just the scene alone where he's he's with like the Reverend Mother for the mm-hmm. the Oh yeah. The, the Benny, test, man. Benny Jesuits. Is that how you say it? Benny Jesuit. Jesuit. That's right. Okay, cool. And I forget what is the test called? See, this is the thing, man. It's just so such an immersive world that I yeah, yeah when he when he's put to the test. And mm-hmm. like I don't know how deep you want me to go with like the lore behind it all, dude, but it, it's just incredible, dude. There's this like so the the Benny Jesuits are and again Maybe I am pronouncing it incorrectly. Well, well let's kind of. Do you want to start from like? Well, the, I don't want to go too far because you you only have knowledge of like the first half. Yes. So please. And I was going to say, in relation to the to the David Lynch movie, I think that's part of the reason why he had a tough time, dude. Is he slammed it on the one movie, mm-hmm. right? And he left out a fair amount here and there. So yeah, uh, he also approached certain things differently as well. Like in the David Lynch version, you get to hear the the thoughts of. Paul Atreides and, you know, sometimes his mother and, you know, you hear their narr- their narration that it's kind of like that in the book. But With would that not be movie, conf- confusing a little though? Because like... No, because like he would be like, I don't know what I'm, you know, like, oh man. Uh, yeah, I, well, boy, that would be a terrible line. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it wouldn't be confusing. It's just, um, I don't I'm know. I'm just thinking I'm, compared to like the new one, how there's like... A little bit of that, like telepathic, or like the. Well, that you, still occurs, but I don't know. Uh, I, that was just the direction that he decided to go, and you know, the other guy didn't. But re- real quick, let me make a disclaimer. Also, <laughs> like we say with everything, there are many, many podcast episodes out there that are going to do a very deep dive into this, and like it's going to be like scene by scene and break it down and. We're we're not doing that at all. This is just sort of, we just kind of wanted to talk about it because I was blown away by the movie. And so, you know, I wanted to talk to my best friend who has been into this source material for years and years. So, yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to be sort of all over the place. But uh, that's, that's what the show is. Yeah. And two points of synchronicity here, like one of our best friends, Clay, mm-hmm. he sent me, he recently sent me a little birthday surprise. Me too. In the mail. And one of them was Dune House Atreides, which is actually written by, and if you guys don't know this, Frank Herbert's son kind of continued oh, some of the writing cool. after his dad uh, passed away. And if you buy the sort of latest printing of the book, there's some really cool, you know, writing from the son Brian Herbert about mm. his dad and growing up with this lore and this world in his house. I mean, the dad was just kind of yeah. like entrenched in it and you read the book and you can tell like you feel like I mean even seeing Frank Herbert lived in this world right and was just kind of telling the story about it yeah and also do we even talk about the fact that Sean Young is in the first movie and oh mm-hmm. so hot in this movie dude <laughs> with the oh come on man yeah dude okay I don't know how deep you want me to get but let me just tell you some cool moments so that maybe it'll have more impact on the moments that you already thought were cool mm-hmm Number one, the Bene Gesserit mm-hmm. are like this like organization that have these like telepathic abilities are very powerful, but they've been around for like, just imagine an organization that's been around for thousands of years mm-hmm. that kind of controls in a way yeah. uh, what happens with the galaxy. 
They're basically you know what I mean like mutant the, witches. Yeah. Well, they're, uh, they're like, they, and again, this is where part of my knowledge, and I'm sure Clay knows all this, is kind of limited, is that like, I don't know for how long they've been doing this, but whenever these abilities, which typically appear in females, occur, they kind of breed to, oh man, it's it's so complicated, but they've essentially world to world, they're trying to create a male version of this so that that male mm. can then rule, have those powers and be like a very, very powerful, powerful person. And for centuries, they've been sort of planting this savior mm-hmm. uh, theme in all these planetary systems so that when it does happen, they can just kind of like have a bigger influence on whoever inhabits that planet. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the, uh, I forget the Cassack Satterach or whatever it is. I don't know. Can't even remember Star Wars planets. And here I am trying to remember these names. <laughs> Essentially like the fact that Paul, like his mom, Jessica mm-hmm. is, is a powerful. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. She's uh, amazing. She sure is. <laughs> I don't mean that in a yes, uh, attractive do. way. Which is also true, mm-hmm. but she, like, again, man, I'm going to go back to it. Every single person in every role mm-hmm. was just outstanding. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is incredible. Oh, dude. So good, man. Uh, um, Skarsgård is so good. Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's- oh, dude. What about that line where he's like, smile, girl, and he's like, I am smiling. Yeah. He plays that sort of, like, gruff mm-hmm. battle sort of... Um, experienced general mm-hmm. so well dude yeah as far as the lore goes man well i don't even want to dive into that man because it's just it just will take a long time to kind of explain mm-hmm. on the Bene Gesserit side but i loved when he that that scene just like you said with the like when he's going to be tested mm-hmm. and there's a line that the lady says the, the sort of the high priestess if you will the one that's kind of in charge of all the Bene Gesserits the reverend and, mother yeah the reverend mother yeah they there's this line where she says that like and he's like what's in the box and she's like fear or something like that yeah or pain and it's some sort of like animal or like well she's just saying that like the reason why and this is you know again this isn't like a new concept this is in the book so it's not them Mm -hmm. being woke or whatever the reason why typically females have this power and able to harness it more effectively and they can harness that power without letting their sort of animal instincts kick in mm. and cause them to just kind of go off the rails. I like that. Yeah. And so she's got that just needle next to his neck mm-hmm. so that if he starts going nuts, she's just going to kill him. And so that's why Jessica is so sort of distraught outside of the door because she had been training him mm-hmm. of the ways to use the voice. Which, which by the way, oh my God. So, dude. The, by the way, well, let me just say before you get into it. So, I don't, Ooh. I don't know anything about it, but in like watching the making of and stuff, mm-hmm. especially like with the sound design, Hans Zimmer. Well, I think it was actually sort of uh, Denis Villeneuve's idea where he wanted, which by the way, the director Denis and Hans Zimmer both they were both massive, massive, massive fans of Frank Herbert Dune, you know, the book and the the 80s movie. Uh, so I think it's really cool to see that they've made such a mm-hmm. such a loving sort of yeah. recreation of it. But his idea was that like, and I'm sure it's tied to this in the book, in the source material, but that like 
whenever you're using the voice, like he was like, I really wanted to like push like all these sort of female voices to almost sound like when you're speaking, it's not you, it's your ancestors speaking through mm. And that is yes, so dude. amazing and sort of esoteric yeah. and it's like, wow, that's really cool. It's really you, cool. Yeah, see, I, I do need to watch these these behind the they're, scenes they're things amazing, because man. that makes it even cooler. Because then it's like you're channeling right. that energy, exactly, and that's what forces you to do what they say. And God bless, dude. The the and again, spoiler, but spoiler mm-hmm. alert. But when they're in the ship. Mm-hmm. And like there, he so he's like still sort of new at this. So he mm-hmm. he uses the voice; it doesn't work. Oh God, dude, this is one of my favorite scenes. Oh, dude, dude it, it, oh. it's probably my favorite scene. Uh, the mm-hmm. guard punches him in the face. Him and his mom, uh, Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul Atreides, and Lady Jessica. That's his mom. They're like in the ship. They've been kidnapped. You know, they're tied up. Their mouth is like covered. Or her mouth is covered, I guess. Her mouth is because they know she has the voice. She can use the voice. Yes. And so, yeah. It, which, because it's it's always like a female thing. And so mm-hmm. they don't even think to tie him up. Mm-hmm. Well, he tries to do it. doesn't work. He gets, you know, punched in the face. Or yeah, whatever. he's like, untie my mother, you know. And then he's just like, the guy walks over and you're like, oh, man, it's a, it worked. And then you just like slap yeah, him across yeah. the face. Which was great. And then. How does she tell him, though? Huh? The mechanics of how she instructs him to do it differently. Oh, dude, this and this is another one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. These weird, like little hand signal. Yes, is that called something in the in the book? It, it's just like the secret hand signs. And by the way, it's specific to House Atreides, so those oh. suckers wouldn't be able to know what they were saying. So imagine like wow. a sign language based on your own, you know, thousands of years of family tradition yeah. and language that is only owned to. New- it's like it's a secret sign language that's only known mm-hmm. to the royals of yeah. that family. It, it's I mean the scene and subjects, but the yeah. scene where and we'll come back to the ship scene, but the scene where you know she's talking to I guess the lady that would become like her sort of housemaid or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. um and you know she gives like the Chris sword to Chris her knife. or the Chris knife, sorry. And she does these like little as she's speaking to this lady she's like I can tell that you have a weapon on on your person yeah. and and then she you can see her like doing these hand signs like beside like you know her arms are kind of I guess sort of behind her back yeah or to her side and she's letting the guard know behind her like what does she say she's like she says be prepared be for, for violence for violence yeah yeah dude that's oh, so cool so cool dude and like uh Man, I loved it so much that I incorporated it into our Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yes, you did. Like, so Tyler's character and our buddy Dan's character, they can speak to each other using their own secret thieves can't. In Dungeons and Dragons, it's supposed to be like symbols that you write down that, right? But instead, I, you know, I think that's cool. But I, I I just seen the movie and I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it differently, guys. What do you think about this? And they're like, yes, yeah, dude, it's awesome. It's so cool. But yeah, so they're on the ship. Mm-hmm. The mom's mouth is still bound. Paul Atreides attempts to use the voice. She signs to him what, something like, you know, you have to find the right tone or whatever. Yeah, yeah the right was, pitch or the right tone. Yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah, and then he and then he does it right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, dude, and it's, it's so like, creepy. Like, however, however, like they, like within the sound design of that, it's just, it's like. There's like a guttural sort of growling sort yeah. of sound, but but then there's also a, a little bit of like and like yeah, like Starscream mm-hmm. also from Transformers. 
Yeah. Um, where it's like, you know, like sort of yeah. high pitched and mechanical almost. Yeah, dude, it's it's so, so, so good. So, yeah. So then she the guy comes over and, you know, takes the gag out of her mouth and then she just like goes off mm-hmm. on on everyone, which is amazing. So cool, dude. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. Just just like every scene. Well, let me say this. And this is sort of to uh, to play off of what you were saying originally about how you you kind of had to worry with like, well, you know, if, if like people don't know the book or they right. they don't know anything about it, like how is this going to work? Like, because there's so much to kind of get. Like when the credits roll, are they just like, what? Right. This is where it ends. What the heck's going on? Yeah. But I gotta say, I mean, even even just with like the first watch, and you know, I do have to admit that like most of anything that I watch, I'm working, so I'm like drawing yeah. or, or inking mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm kind of more like hearing it, but I wasn't really confused at all. I mean, there were certain little things that was sort of like, like, and again, spoiler alert, but I, there was, there, there are some things that I don't totally understand, but I'm guessing is explained in like the second half. Mm. Uh, Like I, I don't really understand. We will return after these messages. This is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. So, so you see several times throughout the movie where Paul, like the, the main character, he, he sort of has like these visions and mm-hmm. he's like, you know, seeing like, you know, from what you would gather, he's seeing the future. But mm-hmm. then I guess as you go along, you're seeing that like, I guess maybe it's not always exact. So maybe he's mm-hmm. seeing like a possible future. Do you want me to tell you? Uh, I mean, is it going to give away anything? No, no, no. Okay. So the the way the prophecy goes is that like the person who is the, you know, savior mm-hmm. has the ability to basically mentally be, and that's what the spice does to him. So when he's having those weird reactions, mm-hmm. he's channeling this, ability and energy without knowing how essentially okay it's basically like it's like this ayahuasca and and but it gives them the ability to be in all places and all times at the same whoa moment. so like yeah because it says something about like <clears throat> something about space and time like mm-hmm. um, so he can see like different outcomes and potential outcomes potential outcomes yeah because there's okay. one part and i don't remember this in the book but there's this one part where he sees this guy giving him advice mm-hmm. on the desert and stuff, and then that ends up being the guy that he fights and kills. Hmm. It's the same dude. So, like, interesting. You you get a wonder on that. I thought they did. You know, like I said, man, visually it's awesome. Oh man, um, so good. Uh, one of the things that kind of stunk about the first movie, and it's been a while since I've watched it. I'll probably now go back and rewatch it. But one of the things that my brother and I were just so obsessed with was like the '90s computer game. 
mm. that came out, and I think it was called, and don't quote me on this because I'm I'm not going to look it up, but I think it was called like Dune Two or something. <laughs> and essentially, it was like it wasn't really RPG, man. It was kind of like I don't know what the the um, I guess category of video game that this is, but it's the it's kind of like imagine like Sim City, but like stra- Dune, like strategy sort of. Well, yeah, kind of strategy, I guess. But like, so what you would do is you would pick what house you wanted to be. Mm. I always chose Atreides. And then you would get like, uh, you know, you have to start building your main base and then, you know, harvesting spice. And then, uh uh-oh, these things are getting attacked. Well, now I got to send soldiers in the Harkonnens. And see, here's another thing. This is what I was going to say earlier. In the movie, this version, they pronounce it Harkonnen. Mm Mm-hmm. I, as anybody listening, am not a linguist, and I frequently mispronounce things, but my entire life, since I was six or seven, pronounced them Harkonnen. Mm. So I don't know which way is correct, but I'm sticking to Harkonnen because that's just what I call them. Okay. I like it, yeah. I think the things about this story that were intriguing to me now as like an adult is like it's got aspects of everything that you would want. There's some like political intrigue. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that his family was really being sent there. Yeah, but in this in this awesome, I like though. it. Yeah. Because it's like his family's being sent there because the Harkonnens essentially weren't doing a great job. Mm-hmm. The Harkonnens are mad about this. They think it's an insult. They know that the Duke so like uh Duke Atreides, who is Oscar Isaac, in the in the like sort of galaxy or universe or whatever. Duke Leto? Yeah, Leto. He's extremely respected. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of tell the type of leader he is when he first meets with the the first Fremen. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, as long as I'm here, we're not going to be, you know. Now, there is an aspect to him that he also knows that by winning these people's approval, he's going to have access to millions of potential warriors. And he keeps saying like... Like ground and air, but we need desert mm-hmm. power. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's explain the the framing. Yeah, briefly. so basically, th- these are the folks that are native to this planet. Mm-hmm. Over the over, you know, gosh, centuries they've adapted to the harsh climate. There's zero rain. It's an entire desert planet, right? So much so that they've created these suits that capture your body's moisture mm-hmm. and recycle it so that when you're out in the desert, you can survive basically and, and, and keep using that moisture. So when you sweat, all that stuff, it recycles it and filters it so that you can you know, drink it again or whatever. And I think they're called still suits. Still suits, correct, mm-hmm. yeah. Which they look, they look amazing, by the way. They, dude, even the old school... Uh, designs are yeah. pretty cool, but these are just over the top. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I will say I do. I did try to incorporate, like in the the piece of art that I was talking about. From what I know, I, and again, I don't know the end, but you know, there's Paul Atreides, and you know, he's holding the little Muad'Dib, the little rat, desert mouse, yeah. desert mouse thing, and then his other hand is sort of doing like the two fingers up, sort of like saint pose and then you know around his head and we'll post it whenever i finish but around his head is you know sort of like energy but if you look at it sort of abstractly the energy is sort of in the same shape as like sort of the the spikes of the sandworm oh yeah okay and so uh and also like the old school like saint yeah, well, that's that's Paintings. the whole motif is like the same yeah, motif. Really cool. So yeah, can I talk a little bit about Muad'Dib and why it's an important piece to the fact that that's what he chose his fremen name to be? Well, let me 
does it have something to do with the little scene where like you see it sweat and then it kind of yeah it drips down his ear and then he like gathers it and drinks it kind of yeah so muadib is this adapted kangaroo mouse mm-hmm. of arrakis which by the way arrakis we're throwing a lot of names at you yeah arrakis is the desert planet that we're we're kind of on in this in this story mm-hmm. and it's associated in the fremen earth spirit mythology with well they're just admired by the fremen for its ability to survive on its own in the open desert mm. and so the fact that like he chooses that because he you know he sees it but you know it's that synchronicity thing man you know every choice that he makes and the things that he does yeah further solidify his place with the fremen i don't know if you remember this line but when the leader of that tribe that he ends up kind of being confronted by when he's in the desert with his mom after essentially that ship crashing, when they have that confrontation with those two uh, Harkonnens, mm-hmm. that desert leader, when he's meeting with Leto, looks at Paul and says, yeah. in Fremen language, I know you. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's several of those times. Like she, so he says, he says that, and then I love the scene where they're first introducing the steel suits and you know, mm. the the mm. lady, sort of the ecology it. director yeah. or whatever, is going around like making sure they have the suits on right. And she's like, she's like, have you worn one of these before? And, and he's like, no, first time. And she's like, well, but you're wearing slip style. Your boots, you're wearing slip style. Who taught you that? And he's like, nobody. It just seemed just seemed like seemed the right like way. the right way. And yeah, then she dude. says under her breath in the in the framing language, she mm-hmm. says something like, he will know. He will know our ways as his own mm-hmm. yeah, or something. The prophecy, dude. Which I'm, I'm so oh, cool, man. Oh, my gosh, dude. Uh, you know, and I feel like I, as we're, like, talking about this, I feel like our listeners are probably just like, we get it, guys. You guys lie. You guys love every movie. Every movie we is really 10 out of 10. We really do this, yeah. But the problem is there's a lot of movies that I've seen recently that I actually didn't like. Yeah. I don't know if we want to dive into those, but. Nah. <laughs> um. <laughs> This is one of those movies that I can understand that people may not have just like, I don't really get it. Yeah, me too. And it just seems kind of like, especially if you don't have that sort of reference material in your in your bank of knowledge, it yeah, can seem I didn't like, have any of that. Hey, like, you know, this is, I mean, it was kind of like a cooler Star Wars, you know? Mm-hmm. It kind of is, I mean. And I, I will say, I never understood like, I never understood like the spice thing, you know, but mm, like mm-hmm. before watching this. So yeah. I always thought that was cheesy. I always thought it was like some sort of like, like, oh, they're like harvesting this spice. And like, mm-hmm. there's like, like, that's what the whole thing is based on is like sort of yeah. like, like economies being built on yeah. this like certain spice and like, like, you know, trade routes. And like, to me, it was just super boring. And it, and it sort of felt like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a whole movie about all the stuff that I don't like about Star Wars, all the political Mm-hmm, bureaucratic mm-hmm. kind of stuff but it's it's not it's totally different it's like this like what he said it's like this uh like psychedelic sort of hallucinogenic sort of byproduct of the sandworms like waste mm-hmm. and it's like you know it's like under the sand you know obviously because these sand massive sandworms you know they live in the sand and like it's just it's really cool and then it causes like you know, obviously with, you know, Paul, he's like a, you know, him and his his mom, Lady Jessica, both, you know, they're, they had that Benny Gesserit thing going on. And so mm-hmm. it's like being around that spice, like 
sort of activates it. You know, it's like an ayahuasca ceremony, yeah, like, a, like a peyote experience, you know, like shamanic sort of experience. And I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and to give a little bit more gravity to it, like melange, which is the true name for the mm-hmm. spice, mm-hmm. is mildly addictive taken in small quantities. Mm. Severely addictive when imbibed in quantities above two grams daily per serving. And, you know, of course, Paul Muadib mm-hmm. claimed that that was really kind of a key to his, his you know, powers, really. And something else that's kind of important that I don't know, and I can't remember off the top of my head if they got to it in this movie. Oh, I can tell. They you. certainly do in the, in the uh, David Lynch version, but where they talk about how, well, again, it gets kind of like Spoiler. in depth here. But like there's guild, there's a guild mm-hmm. that, so for for traveling these sort of extreme distances, you know, in Star Wars, they just kind of like tap in coordinates and right. go, right? Yeah. Well, here, to be able to tra- uh, travel like that and fast, you have to have somebody oh, I know that is a, a I know what, what they call a guild navigator. And the navigators use the spice basically constantly just to make sure that they're seeing like the end result essentially. But it turns them into those like big worm, worm like things. Yeah. Weird creatures. Yeah. Then they didn't show that in this one. No. I only know that because I saw a. Actually, let me get into this real quick. I saw this, uh, which our buddy Dan told me that. Uh, I guess it's called Corridor Crew, and it's like these like VFX artists. Oh yeah, and they watch all these movies and kind of break them apart of like, oh, well, this is really interesting how they did this, or that's actually easy, that's not good effects, blah blah blah. And they sort of critique, kind of like what we're doing now, but from a visual effects standpoint. And one thing that like, you know, it was just rave reviews for the new movie, first of all. But there was this one shot, and like. We, we got to try to find the link to this, like, specific video. And, like, I'll even try to find, like, the minute marker. But it's this shot where, you know, they, they pause, like, the old movie, like the, the David Lynch film. And there's, like, this one shot where you see this massive ship, the House of Atreides, like, massive ship. And you see these, you know, a ton of people, like, out front. It's, like, this epic, epic shot. And there's these m- multiple ships in the background that are huge. And what's weird is, like, they paused it and they were like, you know, one of the guys was like, okay, I want you to tell me how you think they did that. And, you know, his first response was like, what I'm guessing, like, most of it is all, like, matte painting, which is what I thought it was, which mm-hmm. in old visual effects, it was just, like, a painted background. And there were some amazing artists back in the day. I mean, there's so much of, yeah. like, Star Wars even, and that's just totally, like, a painted background. But it's just, it's so, it's done so well that you would never know. But anyway, it's he's like, nope. Turns out, so, and I'm per- it's hard to sort of explain this visually, but you have a massive ship, and you have these sort of like blocks of like maybe a hundred people. So it'd be like a block of a hundred go over a little bit, another block, another block, and then so they're all in like little square like groups of like all your you know hundreds and thousands of people, yeah. and the guys like, well, yeah, how are they? How are like, these are real people. Like, how are they doing that? Hmm. And then, you know, there are flags waving and stuff. And it's like, so this is the most amazing thing. The other guy's like, well, I did a little research. And basically what they did is they they created these, like, 15-foot miniature models of all this stuff, right? Hmm. And, you know, perfectly 
done, you know, all these like ships. And then they also use sort of like forced perspective in the to to make the the ships in the background sort of like be like much smaller and like they did all these like tricks. But this is the most amazing thing. They basically went to like a stadium where like the Rose Bowl takes place. Okay. They build these like hundred foot scaffolding, like this giant scaffolding. And mm. then they set up all of the 15 foot like miniatures of these massive, massive looking ships. And here's the amazing part. In order to get the actual real people is they basically like cut a hole in the scaffolding. So you see all these ships and then they had, you know, several hundred extras down like on the field. So like you're literally looking through the little hole of the miniature and you're seeing these people that are 200, 300 feet away, but they appear like they're they're real people standing in front of this massive shit. That's incredible. I mean, that is like... And I don't know if that, that if, if I'm that like, DP if that DP doesn't get DP meaning director of photography doesn't get oh just continually hired over and over and over again yeah. uh, just you know I mean th- that's like old school perspective oh, camera tricks like that dude amazing. blow me away man yeah me too I mean it's it's so much like you know obviously now stuff is so much more realistic and like with CGI and stuff but like. Mm-hmm. Man, just just those guys that that were able to like think out of the box to get these mm-hmm. like particular shots and stuff. I mean, that is like that. Like when I heard that, I was just I was so blown away by that. Like I even told you that yeah, was like the first yeah. thing I went into when I got to your it's house incredible. the other night. But yeah, I, I really I do love like the I love like in the in the new film I love the like the giant ships. One of the things that I really love is the Benny Gesserit ship and the you know, the mothers or, I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of like witches in a way. They have these like, you know, sort of tall sort of square baskets mm-hmm. on their head and all these robes. And there's a lot of like flowing sort of robes, yeah. very sort of Middle Eastern-y. And, um, and like also uh, Catholic. Yeah, it's right. sort of like a blend of, if like religious, if nuns also had magic, like not magical powers, but like abilities. Yeah. And then, then they also lived in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But I there's like one scene, and it was such an interesting like choice to do this visually. I mean, everything visually in this movie is is so stunning. But like this like far away shot where you see the ship like rising into the air, and like the ramp is like lifting up, and you see these these women in like these flowing robes, and like like you said, very sort of like religious iconography mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And you see them like walking up this ramp. It's like all black. It's very like dark looking. But yeah. then there's Inside the ship, you see nothing but like the most bright fluorescent white mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. So it creates this like contrast. It's it's just a weird choice, but I was like, man, that's that's so sort of striking, mm-hmm. you know, visually. But I loved it. I think the costuming was amazing. Um, one one thing I wanted to make sure that you knew, and and anybody that's maybe seen the movie, or if you go and watch it, and you're like, oh, I, you know, they're able to like traverse long distances in space basically and then like you look at their ships and it's like nobody's walking around with like a cell phone there's all this like mm-hmm. high-tech stuff but it's not really high-tech yeah can i can i speak to that do you know the reason why well and i only know this just from like the making but i guess i mean it's originally in like the original one i, th- I think but i know that denis villeneuve the director really pushed for this sort of like like imagine imagine like we had all that stuff and then 
so far into the future, like we no longer have like... No, there, it's purpose. There's a purpose behind it. Oh, okay. Go. Yeah. So basically society in general, mm -hmm. and again, Arrakis, the desert planet, is only one of them. So all the other planets aren't desert or anything, but society in general, you know, across the universe or galaxy or whatever, got to a point where technology was such a commanding force in their lives mm. that they, for they like banned it. <sighs> and, and genius. Yeah, dude, right? And to like a certain point, you know, it's the same reason why like when he's sort of watching the, and I think they show it in this movie, like the, the quote unquote, he calls them, I think in the book, picture books or something like that. It's like, a he's like watching a video. Yeah. Video of whatever. It's like, that's part of the reason why like certain technology is super high tech. Mm. And I'll kind of also, you noticed in the movie, the guys that had like a, like a stripe on their lip and then he'd be talking to the Duke and then his eyes would roll back in his head and then he would give him an answer. Yeah. He's like a robot, right? No, he is what's called a mintat and a mintat through their lives, again, like everybody has kind of in this world, in this in this universe of, of you know, people or whatever, certain people have certain abilities based on just years and years of just sort of them being part of the, the gene pool essentially. But mm. they're just extremely smart people that in their training have essentially learned to be human uh, computers. Mm. They're not robotic in any way. They're not Android. Again, that would go against the... The technology piece. Mm. That's why you don't see any robots like walking around and stuff. Yeah, they are able to calculate statistically likelihoods of certain things, and so that position oh. in a Duke's like line of people is carefully chosen because he wants somebody that is really just in depth with that knowledge. Can and recall, so, that, like, as a human, you know that skill set is going to like vary from person to person, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what's going on there. There's more lore behind like why their lips are purple and, and that's cool, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he has. But like, what's no interesting about Paul is he was actually going to be training as one of those. So he's got that ability, huh. and Jessica's training, and so he's just like a triple threat. Dude. Well, and Annie's very like just as a character, like you, like what you're talking about. Uh, you know, with the projectors, like immediately I sort of thought of like, you know, sort of like 60s, 70s, like psychedelica where, mm -hmm. you know, these bands would have, and a lot of the bands did it when we were playing in our band, like, you know, you'd have these sort of like, oh, it's like this projection and like sort of that lava lamp vibe and it's projecting on everybody. And that, so that's kind of what I thought, which I think was an interesting choice because even his like setting of uh, Paul's room feels very like 70s mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. um, which I, I think is really cool. But or like, what about that part when they're going in the hallway and there's just that like floating globe that's lighting the way? Oh yeah, exactly. Just yeah, little stuff like that. Yeah, like really little. Cool. And again, those are those like little, like little. Um, I mean, even down to like one of the things that I love about it is you know you watch like I mean really less I guess in Star Trek, but like you know you watch Star Wars or any other sci-fi, you're always going to see this like blast of propulsion coming out. But with this, it just shows like a giant, like like there's this, this scene like in space where you just see this giant like cup and then you see these like little ships, like little dots, mm -hmm. like just coming out of it. And it's like everything moves just so like seamless and it's just so far like beyond what we would think as far as like, oh, well, it has to like, oh, we have a spaceship. It has to have, you know, rocket fueled propulsion. It has to have this big blast coming out of the back. 
No, yeah. stuff is so like clean. It just sort of floats and mm-hmm. and they never really explain it either, which is even cooler. Yeah. One of the scenes that is so very disturbing to me and when I first saw it, I thought that it was CGI. When you see the Skarsgård, what's his name? Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. He's he's like in his chamber and he's talking to the guy that you were just talking about. The his, his name's David Desmalchen, and the only reason I know that's because he was on an episode of Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman years ago. He's a really cool dude. Just started out as like a background actor, and he's made his way into like all these amazing movies. But anyway, they're in his chamber, and you see this like spider thing like I guess feeding out of this thing on the ground and I don't know why I don't know if it's because it has this sort of like slick like like rubbery Mm. like material Mm -hmm. like I said I thought it was CGI at first come to find out that and you know and what's cool is like she says uh or like the reverend mother is in there and she says like she says something about like like he your take your pet away and and he's like he doesn't understand you and then she like uses the voice and she's like Mm -hmm. get out and it just walks away but i come to find out that it's actually this like french like ballet dancer inside of this like suit weird so when you go back, like it's, I don't, there's just something about yeah, the way it dude, looks. I gotta, yeah, it's I'm gonna have to watch disturbing. the making of stuff and then rewatch uh, that. One question that people have, and I'm not sure, again, I'm gonna have to watch the, the movie again. I don't know if they portrayed this or, or at least conveyed this enough, but, you know, the personal physician that's on staff mm, for mm-hmm. the Atreides, you know, he's the one, spoiler alert, he betrays. that betrays Duke yeah. uh, Atreides. And I don't, I think they kind of talk about it in yeah. this movie, but in the book, they kind of go in further depth. I mean, his, essentially his wife was taken mm-hmm. from him and is being used as a, like a sex slave. Yeah. And tortured. And, and, and Yeah. And tortured and just, you know, whatever. And this is the only way that he can get her back. Yeah. Is, is this. Now, what the heck was I just watching, dude, where, oh, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones before going to bed because House of Dragon, House of the Dragon is kind of just like ignited me to rewatch it yeah, again. Yeah, it's pretty great, by the way. House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yeah. There's this line that I totally missed the first five times I've watched this show where Jon Snow is up on the wall. Mm-hmm. He finds out that his brother has gone to war and he's like, he just feels compi- like I've got to go. I, I got to go fight alongside him. This, the blind guy that's, uh, I think he's like a maester or whatever, mm-hmm. talks to him, pulls him aside and says, have you ever wondered why, you know, the people of the watch or whatever never marry and never have children and stuff? And Jon Snow's like, no. And he's like, well, because, like, that is the biggest weakness to oh. duty. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, because That's really if you cool. have those ties, then, of course, you're going to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to, you know, it's sort of like, would you do the honorable thing or would you save your kid? Well, right. Save my kid. Duh. Yeah, there's right? no... And so if you don't have those connections, you don't have to make that choice. Boom, right? Man, that's really... And so that's cool. it kind of reminds me of this, like, physician or whatever. And, and I think throughout history and fiction, but in, and certainly, like, in real life, that's where people kind of capitalize. And, you know, it could be even in politics or whatever, they go after and try to find the weaknesses of these people so that you can either blackmail them or, 
you know, it's kind of like uh, the way that the newest Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan starts. You know, it, th- there's that element of people will do whatever it takes to kind of mm-hmm. save or protect their loved ones, even if yeah. it's a bad thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's 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 really cool about yeah. the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. deal. I, I never knew that. Yeah, I, I I really liked how that character, the physician, I like how even though he betrayed him, it's like he's still like you could tell that it was very much like a betrayal of his own. Like he felt mm. like he yep. knew what he was doing and he was yeah. like very guilt ridden about mm-hmm. it. And then, of course, which I think we probably all knew that, you know, the emperors or not the emperor, but like. The whatever the Skarsgård yeah. guys. What, what's mm-hmm. he's like the Harkonnen? What? He, uh, he's the um, he's like the emperor. He's like the duke. But and um, even, even the way that they utilized like the weird, which I didn't even know what this. This is one of the things that I didn't quite understand until I watched the behind the scenes. I guess he he because he's like just this huge gluttonous. Mm-hmm. Huge fat dude. That he's so lazy that he has machinery that lifts him up. Yeah, he ha- he's constantly using like gravity modif- modification yeah. or he's whatever. The Baron, v- Baron, Baron. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Yeah, and so like you'll just see him like rise up into the air, or like when which oh my god, how is I- I'm sure it's in the book, but so genius how he knows that he's betraying Oscar Isaac's character, the Duke Paul's dad. Mm-hmm. But he's still like, I'm going to replace your tooth oh, yeah. with like a poison tooth. So if you bite mm-hmm. down hard enough and then breathe out, you'll kill everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that was amazing. That's such a, a smart play off of like sort of the suicide pill or, or whatever, mm-hmm. or like the cyanide pills, I guess. But then when they find him like to clean up the room, you know, everybody else is like dead. You see him like whimpering, but he's like upside down, like up on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't totally understand that until I so watched. like the gas the, he was trying to escape the gas so it's yeah, like yeah poison yeah. gas and and um but I'm saying get, you, get, it never explains like oh like how is he flying up into the air like how oh he, yeah because he's got that stuff on yeah, all the time yeah, yeah I didn't know that until I watched the behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it's and it's interesting too like all the different like royal families. Um, characteristics and stuff like the Harkonnens are like very like hot-headed, you know, mm. military heavy, mm-hmm. conquer, conquer, conquer. And in a sense, all of them kind of are, but they're all trying to vie for that emperor slot. And they know, and they're mostly threatened, mm-hmm. everybody, by Duke Atreides uh, because he's so like just and honorable and they know that he's probably going to be the one that becomes the Duke. Mm-hmm. And so... Everybody kind of like puts a hit out on him. Even the emperor essentially is is kind of like approved of this because, you know, he doesn't want him to threaten his political achievements as well. So right. it's just like, you know, it's just, it's... Uh, it's kind of Game of thrones too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Did you know that like, and again, like I got to find this link because like these behind the scenes are, it's so cool. You know that there's ships, which by the way, genius. It's basically a literal sort of inspired by a dragonfly. Like mm-hmm. these, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like mm-hmm. helicopters, but they're like wings instead of propellers. Yeah. They come out and then they vibrate. And I think they, they call them thopters in the book. Yeah, ornithopters. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I mean, that's like a Leonardo da Vinci's invention. Yeah. He he first called his flying device the ornithopter. So I thought it was cool that that Frank Herbert sort of 
brought that back. I also really liked, and it's just kind of random, but like uh, like Jason Momoa's character, but his name being like Duncan Idaho. Mm-hmm. Like I love it, dude. Yeah, there's something that's really cool in like these like real world little like names or little. It's almost like a character that would be in like a western. You know? Oh yeah, the, well, and the, like the character is great, but I'm saying like even just the name like Idaho, like yeah. That's what a, I meant. Like Duncan Idaho is kind of like a sheriff of a small town. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. He he's great. He's he's such a a likable dude. But yeah, mm-hmm. no. So what I was going to say is like the ornithopters. Anytime that you see them w- inside the ship, like they built all of that, mm-hmm. like like actual full on ships. So when you see like it landing, like you see like the like the little feet, you know, that come mm-hmm. out of the side of it, mm-hmm. like landing. They're actually like doing that with like a crane. We're talking Dude, like so cool, man. Like twenty tons worth of like mm. steel, like these. Which I mean, what a you know, like that's again one of those pieces of detail. Mm-hmm. Right when you say that, I I visualized it like sort of get setting on the ground. You see the weight sort of like pressed down on those legs, yeah. and the legs kind of support it. Yep. And it's like they could have done that with CGI, mm-hmm. but I don't think that realistically. You no, know what I'm saying? No. Well, so and that's, and another tidbit that's really really cool is the shot where they're like hanging off the back of the ramp, looking down at the sandworm as it takes down mm, like mm-hmm. the spice yeah, yeah, extractor. Yeah. yeah, They actually film that same kind of thing. They film that. They're actually physically hanging out of the back of this ship that's lifted up on a crane that, you know, the back little ramp section. So like, that's like a, that's a real thing. It's not just like so a CGI. Cool, and what's cool is like, it's sort of, an homage to the 80s movie because I guess that same scene is like you're looking at a mm-hmm. window to see that. Yeah. And like if you look them, if you sort of overlay them like just the, it sort of has like a Dutch tilt where it's like your your view is sort of like diagonal. Man. But it's sort of, you know, it's sort of a play off of that. So, but dude, there's so much about this movie. I know that we could go on forever about it. I, I'm sure you're so tired of me talking about this, but I think getting this out Hopefully, I'll I'll feel like okay, I can I can stop being obsessed with this <laughs> for a while until the next one comes out. Yeah, you know, yeah, man, it's uh, it's amazing, dude. It is amazing, and it really, really is amazing. And for you listeners, we'd love to hear what you think about it. Do you feel like I felt before I saw it, where oh, it's silly and it's about spice, and or are you obsessed like me after seeing it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Oh, dude. And listen to why. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that I'm definitely going to read it now. Daniel and I both actually had the same idea of like, well, we haven't read it yet, so let's wait until we see the second half. Definitely. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really psyched to start reading it. I'll let you guys borrow it anytime. Yeah, man. Well, cool, dude. Well, I guess that about does it for this episode. If you would like to find us, you can go to our brand new website at thatwouldberadpodcast.com. If you want to stick to social media, like a lot of folks still do, you can find us over on Instagram. You know, hit us up in the DMs if there's, you know, questions or, you know, stories or whatever. We always love the banter in the comment sections. Uh, We have a a great community over there. If you want to send us more of a long form type thing or an essay, uh, shoot it to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. I used to say record a voice memo and you can leave it to us that way, you know, through the, our email. But now that we have, that would be radpodcast.com. There's a place on the website where Mm -hmm. you can leave your message, your audio message 
straight from right the there. website and it goes right to yeah. us. But yeah, go out and buy us a coffee. We have our brand new Patreon, The Rabbit Trail. Mm-hmm. We're so excited. We, you know, the folks that have like already signed up, like get ready. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. We're so excited. So go become a patron. Go buy us a coffee. Go buy some merch. Uh, speaking of merch, we're going to have new merch here soon. Uh, make sure you tell a friend about the show and leave a five star review anywhere that you get your podcast. Anything else, Woody? I think that about does it, man. All right, pal. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it You always said our future 